Hey everyone, this is Brother Wayne Clemens. I just want to thank you for tuning in with us today and being part of the worship experience here at Potter's Hope. Also, I want to tell you that there's several different venues that you'll be able to get the message in the entirety if you'd like. They're either by podcast or either going to pottershope.com where you'll also be able to listen and watch uh, for any of those times. But also, I want to encourage you to be with us in person, 8.30 Central Time at Exit 124, right there at White Mills and the Eastview Exit right off the Western Kentucky Parkway. And then also on campus, Sunday mornings here at 135 Commerce Drive uh, at 10.30. Also, our Wednesday night services at 6.33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. But anyway, God bless you. I hope this message just um, in this time of encouragement finds you doing awesome. Be encouraged and know that Jesus loves you. God bless. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me, please, to John chapter 14. And if you're able to stand, stand with me. Let's just jump in the saddle tonight and ride. So the Word of God says in John chapter 14 and verse 1, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, and what is familiar to so many. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, and I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we know not whether you go. And how can we know the way? In verse 6, Jesus said unto him, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Pray with me. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for your word tonight. And God, uh, we do not take for granted another time that you've given us to come together as family, as friends but most of all as the redeemed. And Lord, tonight, if there'd even be one within the sound of my voice, God, and even your long-reaching hand that doesn't know you or that's away from you, God, I make my intentions clear right off the bat that today is the day made of salvation. And God, for the Christian that maybe has grown cold or maybe for the one that is away, or God, what we would even term as backslidden, I pray, God, that this would be a time where they draw to you. God, closer to you than we've ever been before. Lord, I'm so humbled by your word tonight. And once again, I don't take for granted, God, the, uh, what some people may see here, God, is just a simple stand. I take it, God, as, as your stand. And I'm thankful for this pulpit, God, that you've allowed me tonight to speak life in the midst of a dying world. I do not take it for granted. So, God, tonight, anoint these lips of clay, and Holy Spirit, you know, you know, most assuredly, I need you. We need you. Are we all sunk? We love you, Jesus. Amen and amen. You can be seated. So, last Sunday, just continuing, uh, why did he come? We had listed at least six or seven things, and I'm going to point six here. This is the thought that he said, that he said, I am come. In John 14, or John 12, I'll get to 14 in just a moment. John 12, 46 and 47, he said, I have come as a light into the world that whosoever believes on me should not abide in darkness. And if any man hears my words and does not believe, I judge him not. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. 
Well, there's a powerful piece of scripture in the book of Micah. The prophet says this in chapter 7 and verses 7 and 8. And I think that it is so appropriate for the time that we are living in right now. The prophet said, therefore, I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. For those of you maybe that feel like tonight that God has not heard your prayer, can I tell you, God hears all of them. And I want to reassure you tonight that sometimes the answer that you're getting may not be the one that you want, but it's the one he's sending. Sometimes God doesn't work in maybe, but sometimes in his silence, that's the answer that we need. Preparing some things even within my mind within the past month or so, I thought about love languages. We've been talking a little bit about that in our (laughs) Monday morning group started in that and we'll be looking at that even more going out of 1 Corinthians 13 but you know God has a love language and it's silence you say I don't think that I understand that how God's love language could be silence I can tell you in my life that it's when God is silent that I find myself drawing closer to him than I ever have before in the midst of everything else and all the other things that you hear me continually talk about that are vying for the ear space. And, and, and what, can I tell you what's vying for your ear space is vying for your head space. And what's vying for your head space is vying for your heart space. I'm going to encourage you again to listen. Listen so intently for the Holy Spirit speaking to you. Listen so intently that in the midst of silence, His love language is when everything else is quiet and you can hear Him say, Be still and know that I'm God. This is right now where we need to be. Why? Because there are so many things. I just prayed with somebody just a little bit ago, two of the most wonderful people that you could, that you could, that, that just wonderful people. Strong Christian people. And what hell is doing for people that have even been saved 30, 40, even 50 years. Do you know what? Hell never quits attacking. Hell never stops trying to ensue doubt. Even telling people that they're not saved. How many of you know you're born again? Amen. Praise be to God. You know, Ava told me one of the first things. Ava was up here praying. Kalia got saved Sunday, and the other young and got saved right over here. And Ava was praying right in here, and she didn't look like she was exactly sure about that and not pressing. She's got to know. I can't do that for her. The first thing that she said tonight, sitting right back here, she looked at me and she said, The Lord saved me. The Lord saved me. Now, let me tell you something. That's the way you start a service. Is that when a young, how old is she? 10, 11? Some. 12. There she is, 12 years old, and she looks at me, this, this right here, this guy that, yeah, with no fear whatsoever. And I heard her, and I said, let me come closer. And she said, the Lord saved me. Can I tell you, those are three of the greatest words that you can ever hear when you are a fellow Christian and when you're a pastor, when you're a preacher. And can I tell you something? When she said that, not only did hell, listen, not only did hell shake, but heaven recognized it. Amen, somebody. I'm talking about coming to the place where you know that you know. Not that a preacher said so, mom and daddy wanted you to, but coming to the place to where the blood is as real as you being right here in front of me it's being that kind of salvation that no man can take from you why did he come he said I have come when he says this I'm come as a light into the world that transfer of light is now into us that transfer of light is now into us into a dark world just as we were saying here when Micah said that he said for the God of my salvation God will hear me just as he heard Ava just as he heard Kalia just as he heard this other young and he said rejoice not against me O mine enemy when I fall I shall arise 
prophet said, don't you rejoice over me, my enemy. I may be down, but I will rise. It's having that surety in you. And boy, what a parallel, what a, what, what a putting together of that light and that very promise there that Micah is speaking. Here's where it comes together. <clears throat> he said, when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I'm so thankful for that light that shined into my life. Let's give you some scripture tonight. I want to. I just want to absolutely pour scripture on you. In John chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, you're familiar with it. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Was not anything made that was made without Him. The Word says this, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. What's going on around us today? And the light, Stephen, shined in darkness, but the darkness could not comprehend it. Lost people do lost things. And how many of you have found out that salvation is not the easiest thing to describe and to tell people about? Because when you're thinking about in the natural, they can't understand how some kind of spiritual load that nobody else can see, that how that they can't, they, I don't understand. Let me tell you something. When you get under the weight of conviction, you'll be thankful when that weight lifts and you get free through the power of the Holy Ghost and the blood is shed upon your life. The Word of God says this in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, still talking about light. He came to be that light. How many of you know you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of Him that has called you out of darkness into His mediocre light, into His so-so light. Into His church light. No, into His marvelous. Somebody shout marvelous. Praise be to God. Listen into His marvelous light. Why do we do that? Do you realize we were not the chosen generation? The Jews were the chosen people. That which was the smallest of all of them. They were chosen. But the Word of God tells us right here, which in times past we were not a people, but now we are the people of God. My goodness. Could you imagine if the Jews still thought today, if Jesus hadn't come, we'd say, man, look at them. They got it locked up. The word said this, which had not obtained mercy, but now we have obtained mercy. Mercy is a beautiful word. Man, tied in with grace in my mind. And today, that's something that we all need to have. So, tagging that up, why did he came? He came to be the light. And he called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You don't need to be a shade of light. You don't need to be gray light. You need to be his light. Because folks all around us need that light to walk out of where they are. So, why did he leave? I'm glad you asked. Why did he leave? The very thing, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. For in my father's house there are many mansions. As I'm reading that, I've read that at countless funerals. To do that, to bring consolation to family that was sitting in front of me when a dear loved one has passed away. But can I tell you, this is not just a funeral piece of scripture to me. I get excited. 
I get excited when I think about what he's doing and what he's done. When he said he's going to prepare a place, you've got to think of where we're at here in Scripture. In John 13, remember, he's washing their feet. They've had the Last Supper. John 14, things are really coming together in just a few short hours, moments, if you will. We're going to be bringing everything down, narrowing down all the way to Calvary. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Now, for years, my mind has been, for always, my mind has been on heaven, that I've used this as a heaven type of Scripture in my heart and in my thought, Martha, but the thing is this, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Do you know what? Could it be that there were two places that he had on his mind? Not only heaven as we know it, but what about a hill called Mount Calvary? I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to fulfill the promise of what the Word of God says that before the foundation of the world was even put into place, before there was a Milky Way, before there was anything, before there was any plants, before anything, listen, before anything that we see around us, God already had a plan. God didn't have to second guess Himself. God didn't say, hmm, we're going to have to do plan B. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was already there on the cross shedding blood for all of humanity. That's powerful. That's powerful. That's powerful. In this place called Calvary. Everybody wants to get to heaven, but everybody wants to go around Calvary to get there. And you can't do it. See, here's the thing that we miss so many times. Is that we think Calvary is the place where Jesus died. And he did. But if you're born again, it's the place where you died. And why today are so many people living in so much doubt and so much misery and so much chaos and so much confusion, Brother Charlie? It's because they haven't died. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present yourself a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God. That's your reasonable. Listen, that's our reasonable service. That is reasonable. Presenting ourselves that very way in Romans 12, 1 and 2. It's Him. And today, we want people, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody really wants to die. So when you begin to look at yourself, and instead of thinking this is somebody else's message, I'm going to tell you, if you really want to live, die tonight. And you will find that the Holy Ghost, boy, will take root and take hold in your life. And you can start walking by faith and not by sight. Not by any other name other than His name. Praise be to God. Praise be to God. And what did He do? He built Calvary for us. It's always been there. I can't wait to get to heaven. I can't wait. Now, I know what y'all are thinking. Y'all are thinking, well, Pastor, we can't either, but we're not saying we won't go just right now. It's amazing to me how many Christians, I've said this lately, within the past week or two, I'm confident that it's amazing to me that the people, that the fear that begins to engulf people and the fear of dying keeps them from living. I want to encourage you that when you're dead in Christ, you start living. You start living. You start living. That when we see all this come together, and why did he leave? He left because he had to fulfill a promise. He said this, Brother David. He said, nevertheless, I'll tell you the truth in John 16, 7 and 8. 
He said this, it is expedient for you that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter cannot come unto you. He said, but if I depart, I will send him unto you. Do you all believe that, yes or no? And when he has come, he will reprove the world. The word of God said, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. So why did he leave? He left to fulfill the promise, but he also left to send us the Holy Ghost. Let me show you all something that's really, that, 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 that's just, it's just real simple in Scripture to me. The Word of God says in Galatians 3, I think it's verses 24, 25, or 26 right in there. It said the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. The Word of God goes on to say, now stay with me a minute, because had it not been for the law, none of us would have known sin, Okay. So the law had to be established. The law had to be put in place. Somebody says, well, why did God take this place? Why did all of the law had to be in place? And with the simplicity that's within that, you've got to think about that it was truly the law. The schoolmaster was a tutor. It, it was what you walked hand in hand with to go to school. To that Jewish child, their mind was there. They had someone set up for them that would help them learn all of the Scripture and those type of things. So the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. Had it not been for the law, we could have not known Christ. Now, when you think about that, so then when the word says that the law or the letter killeth, but it's the spirit that gives life. When we look, Heather, when we look at the Ten Commandments, much less the other 1,613 tenets that the law would imply or that the law would have, even, even, even more than that, we look at the Ten Commandments and we look at those and we say, oh, man, and it begins to kill us in that way. Why? We just look at the Ten Commandments. Then it begins to do that. The letter kills, but it's the Spirit that gives life. Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Scripture said, why do the Jews, why are the Jews, why do they have such a problem with Jesus being hung there on that cross because they knew cursed is the man that hangs on the tree, which is so true. Why? Because Jesus became our curse. In all of that simpleness, the letter is what brought us to Christ. The word says to know to do good and not to do it is what? It's sin. Had it not been for the law, we would not have known sin. Now, let me show you what he's saying here to me, and, and I'll put this in, in my terms and the way that I see this, that when I begin to look at the Holy Spirit, he said, if I go, I'll send the Holy Ghost to you. So the law was actually our hookup. And when you see this, I remember when Hannah, when she got married, she had all these people with her. She had people that did her hair. She had people, she had her bridesmaids. They did all those things, make sure that her dress was right, make sure this was right. She had all these handlers, right? These people that wanted her to be right. For her bridegroom. Somebody said, I don't even understand the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you what the Holy Ghost is. The Holy Ghost, without gender speaking in this term, is both bridesmaid and bride's groom, groomsman, in that sense, the best man. And the Holy Ghost is a wedding planner. When you think about that, you're saying, how? Because what he's doing there, Steve, is and what the Holy Ghost does is he prepares us to meet him. Okay? Now, in order for that, you say, this is, can it be that simple? Yes, it's that simple. He prepares you. Why? Jesus is going to be the same. Remember, he bought you the way that you were, being the bride, once again, without gender, and speaking it in that terminology, thinking about that very thing. He bought you the way he was, so it's us surrendering our will to his. And him being holy. So what does Holy Ghost do? Prepares us in the holy things of him and who he is. Mm. 
That's the reason that the Holy Spirit, that when you do things that are unbecoming and that when we sin, the Holy Spirit says, mm, that ain't going to please him. That ain't going to work. That's what the Holy Ghost does. And the Holy Ghost is planning this wedding, if you will. It's the ketubah. It's the whole process that we talk about. Boy, there's so much there in Matthew 25. Um, the parable of the ten virgins. Oh, we can, we're not going to go there. It's just too much. But this is a thought. Every bit of that preparing us for him. The Holy Ghost is a wedding planner. Oh, I began to think about that. And I thought, Lord, you're so good. Holy Spirit, you are preparing me to meet him. The word of God says this in John 14, 26, but the comforter, when but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Once again, Carrie, showing us, preparing us to be like him. But when the comforter has come, who I will send to you, John 15, 26, whom I'll send to you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. Somebody say truth which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. The thing that the Holy Spirit does is testifies of Jesus. I can tell somebody said, well, I wish we'd just have us a good testifying service. Can I tell you something? I'm for it. But usually what happens is that somebody will get so caught up in the flesh and we'll end up missing God before it's over. That's the reason, and I'm just going to be real with everybody. You got something to say. You better wait before you say it. Because not only can you wreck you, you can wreck a bunch of people. Seen it too many times. Seen it too many times. What, what am I talking about? Prophet line? Testifonies? And manifestations? Seen it all. When people testify, Charlie... It'll be about none other than Jesus Christ, my Lord and my Savior. Amen, somebody? That when we speak those things, it ought to be about Him. It, ought to be a, it shouldn't be about what you hung out on your clothesline, what you had for breakfast, and how the cat jumped up on your table. I've heard some of the craziest things that never gave God any glory. Can we give God some praise in, in the house tonight and just testify of how good He is? I've heard so much junk that don't even belong in the house of God. Can I tell you, when you see me get that look, I care enough about you, but I care more than that for him. Tell me what you're going to say. Has that got to go through your ear, Pastor? I'm going to tell you right now. Hell would love to wreck this church and any church that he could that's trying and looking to serve Jesus Christ. You better believe it. You better believe it. Holy Ghost preparing us for him. <clears throat> the word of God, I've already talked about that in Revelation 13, 7 through 9. About the lamb being slain before the very foundation of the world. And the word of God goes on to say in verse 9, let any man, if any man has an ear, let him hear. It go ahead, it says the same thing in 1 Peter, or similar to that, 1 Peter 18 through 21. Now, the blood. Why did he come? Why did he leave? I want to show you that in the simpleness, we know that Jesus Christ came to reconcile 
sinful man to a holy God. We now take on, according to Scripture, the ministry of reconciliation. Jake asked me a good question this morning early. He said, so what is the church even here for? I want you to ponder that. We have the ministry of reconciliation. That when people say, I don't know what my ministry is, I can tell you what your ministry is. It's reconciling sinful man to a holy God. Well, I'm waiting for God to send me here or send me there. Before you look at start right now. Start reconciling people to him. You don't need a building to tell people, do you? Okay, let me go on before y'all get mad at me. When we look at this precious blood trail and it's the way that we do it, I'm going to share something with you here before I close tonight to tag this up. We're going to have a time of prayer. The way that God did this is, is you can just see that truly that his whole plan, that even before the foundation of the world as the lamb was slain. The word of God says, it's Eric first one in Genesis chapter 3. The word of God says that an animal was sacrificed and its blood was shed for a person. You can see that in Genesis 3.21. Unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin and clothe them. Turn to somebody and say, you first. Go ahead. It's all right. Don't be so scared tonight. You first. You first. Can you pull that up, Eric? You can't. I'll preach anyway. How many of you ever flown on an airplane? All right. In the event of emergency, what will happen? Is it above your head? What will happen? The mask will fall. What do you do? They say, before you put that mask on yourself, all right, this is me first. Could it be that the Lord has saved you to help somebody else get there? Okay? And so instead of doing all of this and thinking about it and worrying about it, can I tell you something? Get saved, be saved, stay saved, and then help everybody else get to that place and to that point. Me first. This is one of the few times that you'll ever hear me preach this out this way. You know the, uh, the thought in which I'm doing that, but me first. Listen, be born again. Be born again. Quit talking about all the hell that's happening in your home. Listen, if somebody in there could just get on fire for God, it could quit being a war zone and start being a refuge for the king. So what did the Lord do? It started with a person. Many of you have heard this before. It's simple math. It started with a person. But I'm going to show you, Sue, how God just continues to walk this out, this whole plan of salvation. In Exodus chapter 12, verses 1 through, 1 through 3, the word of God says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. You all know what I'm talking about here. This is Passover. He said, Speak unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for the house. Next slide, please. That when you look at this now, we're going from Adam and Eve, which is a person. Now we're moving it to the family. That, listen, if you want your house to be saved, you need to be born again, spirit-filled, and believing for every child that is in your home. Believe for everyone that is in your home. And by the way, don't expect for God to give you Judea if you cannot have peace in Jerusalem. I'm going to go to the other, other. Listen, I like what Greg Slayton said years ago. He said, I refuse to fly over a mission field without ministering to my own. And there's such truth in that. 
But you can see how God is bringing this progression. And this is one thing today that somebody said, Brother Wayne, is there any hope for America? Yes, and it's in one word, Jesus. And listen, this, I believe it. You're not going to keep me from believing it. You're not going to do it. Listen, it was because of a young man as a teenager that went to a tent revival and heard a preacher by the name of Mordecai Ham that when he heard him, it changed his life. And that man, which was Billy Graham, ended up seeing so many souls saved for the kingdom of God. All it takes is for the word to go out and one ear that is attentive and a heart that will believe it that could reach a multitude of people. I still believe that, that there may be one person in this place tonight that can hear the gospel and can hear the power of the gospel. And listen, it will change you, but it may change this whole community and revive may sweep through like an absolute fire from heaven. I believe that. I believe that. And God can use us, but a lamb for the house. You see it now beginning to expand. You can see that happening. And the Word of God says, and or as we, even as we see this right now, and by the way, many of you are familiar, you heard me allude to it Sunday. Rosh Hashanah began at sundown on Monday afternoon, which was Labor Day for us. The time right now, we're in that 10 days of awe as far as within the feast, that when we look at that, within these 10 days of awe, a time of repentance, a time of calling onto God, a time of forgiving other people is the way that these feasts were set up looking toward Yom Kippur that would be 10 days from that very starting point that I just spoke of and coming to that place, that's the day of atonement boy if America ever needed a time of repentance it is right now somebody said you know what pastor the world needs Jesus, I'm going to tell you who needs Jesus the church needs Jesus The church needs Jesus. The church needs Jesus. And the world needs the church. It's got Jesus in it. Thank God for the people in this community and in this county and in this state and in this nation that won't back up from the word of God. That won't back up from the word of God. The Word of God says, moving on again from person to family. And now the Word of God in Exodus 30 and Leviticus 16, verses 3 through 34, we can see that talking of Yom Kippur and even going into Leviticus 17, for the life of the flesh is in the blood. We can see all this is talking about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement. Then we can see that the blood, when you read that, the blood was shed for a nation. Next slide, please. This is what America needs to understand, that the blood was shed for this nation. And the very thing that we are founded upon, you're going to hear me go back to this a lot. Now listen, I'm not trying to monkey flip you or or anything or to mess with your mind any, but I will tell you, I am always going to be kingdom first. 100%. You need to understand that. Why is that? Because the Bible tells us that. The Bible tells us that. You cannot look back, and we can't look back, all of, this, all of this time and see that this nation was truly not put in place by the providence and the sovereignty of God to be a light. And boy, the light right now is getting dim. It's getting dim. Thus, boy, giving us this opportunity to shine like we've never shined before. And he shed his blood 
You see it move to a nation. As I stand here tonight and preach, I understand that hell would love no more than to shut down what I do and to shut down what we do. But in the name of Jesus, we're going to keep preaching. We're going to keep praising. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep raising our kids, Jody, in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And with anybody with a worldly mindset says, you're crazy, you're a kook, how you bring it up? Listen, can I tell you something? Dr. Jesus raises my kids, not Dr. Spock. Amen? Huh? <laughs> oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. See, y'all, I'm, I'm going to tell y'all something. <laughs> uh, when I heard, <laughs> I'm going to get reported. And my kids say little things they shouldn't say. I look at them and I say, what did you say? What did I say? I said, what did you say? Did you say something? How many of y'all got any Dawn dishwashing liquid in your house? I said, that ain't nice. That ain't nice. <laughs> if Jake was in here, he started shaking his head right now. I'll never forget Jake had braces. And I said, is that what you said? Put a little bit of that on my finger. Scrubbing him up real good. And I'll never forget it was the coolest thing. He blew a bubble out of his mouth after I did that. <laughs> but let me tell you this. The problem we have today is there's no respect. There's no honor. There's no fear. There's no fear. <laughs> Brayden has got very few. He's back here. He, he got very few lickings in his life. Very few. Very few. And you know why? Because he heard Logan tell the horror stories. And he said, I don't want none of that. I don't know that. We've lost this. We've lost the fear of God. If my wife said, you wait till your dad gets home, that meant something. There's no fear. There's no authority. There's, no, there's nothing to be reverenced anymore. Nobody's afraid. Huh? I'm still preaching about the nation. This is the same thing with our nation. And God is trying to do everything, allowing, excuse me, allowing everything that he can allow to wake America up and to come back to him. America needs the blood of Jesus. Turn your Bibles, please, to John chapter 1, verse 29. One of my favorite pieces of scripture because it's so picturesque in my mind. John's been preaching it hot and heavy, right? The Word of God says in verse 29, John 1, the next day John sees Jesus coming unto him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world. We went from Adam and Eve. We went from a man. We went to the family with the blood over the door. We go to Leviticus chapter 16 and 17, which now the blood is applied for a nation. And now he expands that because he came into his own and his own received him not. Next slide, please. And this is simple as it is. This is what we must carry out.
God is not a respecter of persons. So I was spending time with someone today. We were talking about all the division and the hate, which is it's everywhere. And seemingly, <laughs> seemingly everybody is divided over something. The rich, the poor, the issues of color, of skin. And every one of these things I could back up with scripture of how crazy it is in the eyes and in the heart of God. And with every bit of this happening, I'm thinking, God, why'd you leave? We need you so much right now. And isn't it amazing how that we're praying all, we get all this sharing, we get all this faith built up. And when we're praying for people to be healed, we say, Lord, you said in your word, greater things we would do than what you did. And we want to see people healed. When it's somebody close to you. <laughs> but greater things that he did than, or greater things can we do than he did. What about reaching people what about reaching people as I get ready to close tonight this very thing that there there has never been and this is really what humbles me to the core is the fact that I'm thinking God why'd you leave do you realize that's the same thing that the disciples were saying before the Holy Ghost hit the upper room do you realize everything? Do you realize today how bad that we need the Holy Spirit? If you are fearful, if you are anxious, if you are full of doubt, you need an upper room experience. I'm talking about the infilling, the empowering of the Holy Ghost of God. Maybe Sunday I'll get out why he's coming back. I don't know. Tonight, we, we are the link between holy God and sinful man, yes or no? So every one of them people that you said that you've given up on and every one of those people that you're thinking they're never going to get it, aren't you thankful God didn't say that to you? I said something to one of my buddies today. Well, he's a brother to me. I said something to him. I said, you know what? I said, I almost said his name. I said, in all of this, could we be known for going one step more to reach somebody instead of one step less? I'd rather be guilty of overstepping my bounds than understepping my bounds. I've watched within the past month as people have got under the thought of nobody cares. And has anybody else ever felt like it? Y'all ever felt like nobody cares? Is there anybody that's never felt like it? So we all can agree on it. Huh. Shame on y'all. No, I'm just kidding. God cares. God cares. Tonight as I close, I, I can't tell you how many texts I have. And you've been getting them too. And you can see that there's a lot of people that need healing. 
There's a lot of people that need saving. And the church needs reviving. Man, I want this virus to stop. I do. I do. And I have to surrender to God, Larry. I have to surrender. I say, God, I don't don't know what's going on. But if this is what you're doing to get more people in, then you do what you need to do. But tonight, there's a lot of folks sick. There's a lot of people that need healing. And almost 7 billion, isn't that the number probably now, Stephen, almost is it 7 billion people on the face of the earth? You're shaking your head like, yeah, say whatever you want, I don't know. And So anyway, remind me not, to, if I go on that millionaire show to be a millionaire, I won't, you won't be one I call, I won't do that. <laughs> but I'd call you for a lot of other things. Let me tell you what I know is working. Jen, I know what's working. Because we've seen souls saved lately. Prayer. 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 Save them, Lord. Save them. Tonight, for those folks that are online, you can... Start putting your prayer requests there. and Miss Tonica, if they will, you can just start taking those and any of those that we can take tonight. We'll hand out tonight if you can. She does the best. Can we thank God? Tonica's one of those people back there that she just does a masterful job. She prays with people there as we doing what we do. He left us here. And until he calls me or you home or all of us home, we need to do what we're called to do. Let's make a difference. Tonight, I don't ever want you to miss an opportunity to get things right with the Lord. Things are not right, make it right. If you're here tonight and you're lost, you just, man, get to him. If you're online tonight, if you're online tonight and you you just don't know where to turn, turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. I know firsthand uh, tonight that not only those that are sick that need, need healing, the caregivers that are in place in every aspect, whether it's at home or whether it's in the hospitals and at every level, man, these folks are doing everything they can to hold their mind together. We need to pray because you can say everything you want to say about this or that. And if I could take you, we'd hush a lot of this mess we talking. When you see the pain on people's face and the hurt, you get woke up pretty quick and see that people are hurting. I'm praying. And then I'm going to ask you to do this tonight in the house, okay? You, do, you come to the altar, but I'll ask tonight if we can spread out and, and just pray, believing. And Tonic will be taking some of those prayer requests, and she'll give them out for those folks that are giving them online. How many of y'all know somebody tonight needs healing? Do you? Boy, I do. How many of you care? 
How about saving? Y'all know somebody need Jesus. See, Luke, I've got, I can't tell you how many. And man, I'm telling you, people that are in church with you. Kevin, people that are in church with us and keep saying, I'll do it next Sunday. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Don't give me that funeral. We've got young ones tonight. 13, 14, 15, 16. That need him. And we're going to believe. So, Lord, tonight as we get ready to pray, and, God, as we get ready to spend our individual time with you, I pray tonight, God, that during this time, even these ten days of all, God, that would be recognized within the Jewish mind frame, God, tonight we too come as Christians. And, God, tonight survey our souls. Survey our souls. Holy Spirit, survey our souls. If there's any unforgiveness or if there's any of those things, God, just let us just put that at your feet. If we're away from you, God, if we're away from you, let us be drawn to you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, everybody, just wanted to thank you once again for being with us here in our worship service today and taking the time out, which I know is so valuable to you. God bless you and be encouraged. And remember, Jesus is King.